This is episode 60 of the Creative Giants Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks for joining me. Though there are a lot of tools available for communication, email has become the primary way many of us communicate with others. We both love it and hate it because, like money, email can be a great servant but a terrible master. Dmitry Leonov joins me today to jam on ways to make email work for you rather than against you. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Dimitri leads business development, sales, and marketing efforts at SaneBox. A graduate of UC Berkeley, Dimitri holds a BS in finance and spent the first couple of years of his career in investment banking, focusing on software and internet mergers and acquisition. He was responsible for launching Yahoo's global reseller channel and led business development efforts in emerging markets. When not working on making email better, Dimitri enjoys spending time with his wife and daughter and playing music. Email is one of my favorite topics to talk about, and I'm ready to jump into it with Dimitri. It's going to be a great show. Thanks for having me. We, uh, you know, we're happy to help. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about the current email landscape, right? And and really, you know, we, we our companies talk about email in different ways, right? And uh, we were just talking about it before we started recording. On the one hand, it's the ubiquitous best tool that we have for communication with people at this point in time. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we're drowning in it. Yep. Um, that's the broad overview of the email landscape, but you know, let's talk about that. Um, go ahead. I'll let you. Yeah, no, I mean, actually I have some, some thoughts on that. Funny, funny. You should bring that up. Uh, so I think the, 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 the real, you know, people complain about email that it's not, you know, not the right tool and you know, there's better Slack and Asana and project management tools out there. And I think the problem is actually not, Email, like there's nothing wrong with email. Email is a protocol for sending a one-to-one message to someone. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yes, it can be, you know, there could be different applications on top of it, like Sandbox, for instance, that help you uh, with it. But the real reason for email overload is just communication overload. Um, and I think there, and I've been, you know, obviously we've been thinking about this for, for the last five years. Uh, I think there are three factors that are kind of contributing to this. One is just we, you know, we work more more hours, right? So, and the mobile uh, phones haven't helped that, right? So it's just much easier to keep, send more emails and receive more emails as a result. So it's just a vicious cycle. Uh, but really we do more work with more people and with faster cycles. Um, so email kind of happens to be in the intersection of those three things. Um, you know, we, we use Asana internally and Asana is great for kind of communicating around projects, but you still get a notification. It's still your inbox with a message from someone. Um, so whether it's a Slack, whether it's an SMS or some new protocol that hasn't been invented yet, the problem of information overload is still going to stay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I was talking to a friend, Corey Huff, over dinner the other night, and he's, he's been reading a lot about George Washington. And so it's, it's a fun conversation every time. But um, And I'm going to be wrong about the number of aides, but it was something like general, like Washington had seven aides that handled his correspondence during the Revolutionary wow. Right. And the reason I'm pulling that up is because his op tempo, his operations tempo was such, and the information coming and going was such that, you know, 
George Washington had like a letter problem. He had to email the version of our email. He was working all the time, bunch of people to talk to, 24-7 like communications going back and forth, incoming, outgoing, in, like inner team. So he just had to have seven people yeah. manage his correspondence. I wish I had that. That would be, be nice. Well, but we have Sandbox, right? <laughs> but, you know, that's a great point that, that I hadn't thought about in a while is that it's not just the tool, it's the context in which we use the tool, right? Um, yeah. And one of the things that, that when I'm talking to people about email, it's like if you, one of the best things you can do and it's hard to do is, um, well, I won't say it's best. One thing to experiment with, and your mileage may vary with this if you're listening. Mm-hmm. One thing to experiment with is taking um, Gmail and taking, you know, mail off of your smartphone. Just completely off. Um, I've also gone further in the sense where I've taken Safari off of my iPhone. So I don't actually have a web browser because I was cheating to go through Gmail. <laughs> right? And I was like, this is still, I'm still on it. So I got to come up with a better protocol. So basically wow. you can um, make it a restricted, you know, a restricted thing. It makes it go away. And the reason I say that is because when you do that, you become keenly aware of how plugged in you were to everything. Right. And how much when you reach for your phone, because it sets up neural pathways, right? So you touch your phone your brain fires up what it was doing last with your phone. That's a way our brains work. You pick up a hammer. You don't try to screw like screw in the nail with a hammer or screw in a a, um, screw with a hammer. That's not how hammers are used. So your brain automatically gets, goes into the the hammering motion. Phones are the same way, right? If all you do is check Facebook on your phone, if all you do is check email on your phone, you touch that phone, your brain is, your brain is primed to do the next actions. Really good point. You remove it from your phone and you retrain those habits. You retrain your brain. You pick up your phone and you like listen to music or maybe you, you read an audio book or you just change the way that your brain understands that particular device. My point here, you change your context and the tool doesn't become a problem. It turns out you end up getting less email when you do that because you send right. less email. Right. right? Um, That's a really good point. I'm going to try that actually. My, my, my wife is going to be really happy. Uh, if I, if I stick with that, just try it over the holidays, just say it's a holiday thing. Like you're going to do it just Thanksgiving (laughs) or you're going to do it for Thanksgiving weekend. Like, so we're recording this. You probably listen, you probably won't hear this until later on, but we're recording this out right before Thanksgiving, but, um, just try it. Right. Um, be present to it. And it changes the context, changes the context considerably. That's a really good idea. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to do that. It's hard though. I will warn you as a founder, it's hard. Right, because you're so plugged into everything. Yeah, that's definitely hard. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing you can do is put it in a shoebox on the top of your closet. <laughs> no, I've had to do this, seriously. Um, smartphones and computers, like, put it in a shoebox, put it in the top of your closet, close the closet door. Right. Because by the time you open the door, you get the box down, and you open right. the box, and you check your mail. Like, you realize how many, like, it forces your brain to go through different steps and so you don't just grab it and check email and right. say yeah i'm lazy so i, I don't i don't want to do that that's sometimes structured inefficiency makes you way yeah, more effective exactly. right. <laughs> so that's one piece about the landscape i'm glad you brought that up what else is it about the current email landscape that that's really gets us to where we are well i think the 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 other issue the kind of the and, and again, we've seen this, and I think from one of the things we did over the last few years is really talk to a lot of um, what I call like super emailers, 
people who get thousands of emails a day. I mean, I'm sure you get, you get a lot. Uh, and those, so what we found is there are some of these people like CEOs, VCs that get literally like over a thousand emails a day and they get to inbox zero daily. And so we try to figure out like, what is it about their process? And I think that the, like the most important thing, um, and it's also the hardest, uh, is to not make email your number one priority mm-hmm. by, by default. Yeah. So what, what you were just talking about, that, that that's one, definitely one approach. I mean, I think the, the less, if you can control the, the, the urges, and, and there's definitely tools to do that, like, like you discussed, but um, the key is scheduling your email time. Right? So the, the, the problem is that, especially with mobile phones, but also, even even when you get into the office, you open up your your laptop and you open up Gmail or Outlook, and like next thing you know, it's lunchtime and you haven't done anything. Um, and so the the problem is that email is a to do list that other people write on, right? Um, that, I mean that that's a known um, known kind of phrase that's been around for a while, but it's really true. And and what's also really kind of scary is it's become an unconscious number one priority. Mm-hmm. Right? So like you're you don't realize that that's, that's what the first thing you do. And you spend, I mean, the McKinsey study a couple of years ago found that we spend, was it 13 hours a week, uh, just reactively responding to stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then, and like, again, we, we respond and that, that person responds. And so we just you know, kill each other. Um, so the, the, the real solution to that is just to kind of get ahead of it, be aware of it. And so the, the way that I like to do it is by scheduling, I literally have an hour on my calendar every day at 11 called email time. Mm-hmm. So I still, you know, I still open up my phone when I wake up and just kind of see, you know, make sure there's nothing urgent. And I still get, when I get into the office, I still, you know, I spend a little bit of time just dealing with the urgent stuff, but then close down Gmail and work on my actual priorities. Mm-hmm. And by just allocating a time to email, you still need to get through it but it should be a conscious prioritization. Absolutely. Um, written kind of two posts about this in the past. Um, yeah, I'm going to be that guy today. I've written two posts about this. Mm-hmm. Anyways, one is the difference between checking email and processing email. And so what I tell people right. to do is to stop checking email, right? If you're going to be an email, process it, um, which is largely saying the same thing that you're saying is like whenever you're going to intentionally make time to do something like that, because when you check it, all you do is add to your cognitive RAM. Mm-hmm. You add to your cognitive load without actually doing anything with it. So, so what if you read 10 messages, if they're just sitting there, now you got 10 messages sitting on your brain, right? right that you got to do something with later on. Makes no sense. Right. Uh, and we do it, right. We do it all the time, yeah. but process it. Like when you're going into schedule process, email processing time. So that means you're going to go through a triage process of what matters, what doesn't matter, who can you uh-huh. delegate, like what can you delegate, so on and so forth, but be very intentional about that. Um, yeah. The second one is don't use your inbox as a to-do list. It's terrible for that. It's, it's cognitively unsatisfying. Well, I won't say it. I'll say it this way from a cognitive point of view, like people add to it all day. So you never actually feel like you're getting anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And then every time you go in there to check your email, it's like, Oh crap, there's new things you got to add. And you're always sorting between different things from an emotional point of view. That's Mm -hmm. where it's unsatisfying. Right. Cause it's like, so, you know, I think I agree um, to, to a large extent. Um, I've actually kind of, and, and this is, a, I have to give credit where, where credit is due. One of, our, one of our customers who's one of those super emailers mm-hmm. uh, led me onto this. It's, um, uh, so, I mean, one of the key things that we preach kind of in, in line with, you know, your, uh, the processing versus checking. Uh, but so there's a, 
there's a process called triage, which mm-hmm. is very well, you know, documented. I'm sure your your listeners, you know, already know this. Uh, but so one of the the, the key uh, things that that's really helped me is uh, so I mean there are three buckets, right? There's the unimportant stuff you just delete, process in bulk, which is archive or delete. Uh, then the second bucket is a quick, you know, quick fix, forward, uh, reply, snooze. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last bucket is the, the work stuff, right? It actually requires work. And so uh, to your point, um, if you leave it in your inbox, then you go into your inbox and, and stuff keeps coming up. So it's not, it's not very good. So the one hack that I personally have found really useful is taking the, that, that last the, the work bucket, starring it. And I use Gmail, mm-hmm. so you can flag it, you can move it into another folder, whatever, move it out of your inbox into that special place. And then you basically work out that's your to-do list. Absolutely. And quick tip on this one, you can actually bookmark just that folder, right? So that you, um, when you go to email, if you're using Gmail and you're not using a, a client, you can, so if that's at work for you, you can bookmark that. So you go directly there and you don't have to jump from the inbox and seeing what's there. I'm going to do it right now. It's a good idea. Um, <laughs> there's also... Jonathan Mean, again, credit where credit is due. He told me the ninja hack where there's a way in which you can get Chrome set up so that if you type, I think like in or something like that in the bar, well, you basically you can type a new short email into the search bar of Chrome. So you don't even have to go into Gmail to send it to somebody. Nice. That's great. Yeah. So two, two quick tips there. Uh, But yeah. Um, when I go on vacation or when I know I'm going for a long time and I need to have um, one of the teammates track my email, I'll, I'll create an at Charlie box and an at vacation box. And so you like stuff like they can process everything for me and stuff that just needs my attention will go in the at Charlie box. And when I come back and then I might dump everything back into my inbox um, just because of send an archive, which is such a handy function in Gmail. But yeah, absolutely. So I want to be clear there. It's, using your inbox as the to-do list. And that's very nuanced, very, very nuanced, but still important. Um, yeah, that's, go ahead. And, and I think the, and the other kind of corollary uh, point to that is one, and this is, I, I see this all the time with our customers and a, a huge pet peeve of mine, is you don't use your inbox as an archive. Um, far too many people just leave stuff in it. And I think the, when, I, when we kind of try to figure out why, the, the reason is, uh, most most frequently is oh I don't want to lose anything like well archive it it's not any like it's literally not any more difficult to find stuff uh, and so the the analogy I'm sure you've you've thought about this too like basically the equivalent of leaving stuff in your inbox is like looking at your physical snail mailbox reading the envelopes and then stuffing them back back in there right mm-hmm. it's just not not the right way to do it yeah I mean in a perfect world we wouldn't touch email twice right. In the real world, like we might have to tra- check it like thrice, right? In the yeah. sense that we check it, we move it, and then we archive it and then triage it in the way we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's when you get to that fourth and fifth time of looking at something and not, it's like, it would absolutely right. Taking the, taking a mail out, sticking it, taking your physical mail out, sticking it back in the box, yeah. taking it out again, <laughs> sticking it back in the box, taking it out again. Like we wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, unless it's, you know, my bookshelf, but that's a whole nother matter. Uh, that, that is indeed a whole nother matter, but something that you mentioned there, um, intrigued me in the sense that the starring or something else. Yeah. Well, I think it's the archiving. Thank you. Um, 
I think, I actually think what happens is, is because email came in the late 90s, I think from a technology point of view, we were still living in folder world, right? Where like you put things in folders and things can only go into one folder at one time. And we learned a whole way of managing information that was really around folder world. Mm-hmm. But we now live in tag and search world, right? Yeah. Where like things can live in multiple folders. Like we understand multiple tag and hierarchies and things like that. So we now live in search world where we used to live in a different world. And I think that's when I talk to people about that particular thing. I'm like, you can archive it. And they're like, but how am I going to find it? Search? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I, and I think it's just a different schema about how to process information in the world. And we're catching people on different generational. That's why I think digital natives are like the net generation that comes. They're so much more fluid in some ways because they didn't grow up in folder world. They didn't right. grow up in a world where you actually had like one, one bit of data lived in this one book or this one folder. That's that makes, a foreign concept to them. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, to be honest though, and I, I think most people use Gmail nowadays. I still don't really understand why search and Gmail is the way it is, right? For instance, the fact that in order to search in all mail, you have to add something, right? In all, like, why isn't that the default? I, things like that. Is just, yeah, there's, there's small things. There are small yeah. things like that. I would say probably on that one, they're trying to exclude spam. Um, and so if you searched, right, but they're like, Anyways, but there's a schema behind there that most of us don't know. Right. And so when we try to approach it natively, it's like, oh, well, you have to type that in. I, I think it could be, for instance, this is a Charlieism. Like, I don't like that it's in reverse chronological order. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's terrible. You can't sort by subject, by sender. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of terrible things about that, right? Um, and I get it. We, I mean, we both get it. And when it comes to archiving and like most people, I think, unless you're sending a lot of multimedia attachments and things like that with Gmail specifically, I don't think you're ever going to reach your limit as far as email goes because they grow it and, and things like that. Right. Sure. Most people don't have to worry about it. I'm at, I'm getting close. Um, unfortunately, but you know, um, congrats. <laughs> I don't know about it's congrats, but it's a lot of arc, It's a lot of attachments that somehow ended up in there that I need to go through and search and sort through, you know, um, you know, find big mail, right? No, I didn't. Tell me about Find Big Mail. Um, check it out. So it's, I think it's findbigmail.com and it f- finds your big mail. Um, <laughs> uh, so basically it puts different size attachments in, into different folders. So it just makes it way easier for you to delete stuff that's not important. See, this is why I love talking about email with people who know what's going on, man. Uh, find Big Mail, guys. Um, we'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah. Let's talk uh, about five sentences. Yeah. Um, so for five sentences is it was a movement that came out, I think around 2007 or so that was just like all email should be five sentences or less. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think they overdid it in a lot of ways. Um, but I think there's a lot of truth in writing a short message. Um, what have you found with your best practices from those power emailers that, that you've talked about as far as short emails go? Um, I see a lot of short emails from those power emailers. Uh, and I mean, they're also, what's crazy is their response time is minutes, literally all like at, at all hours, odd hours of the day. I don't understand how they do it. Uh, but it seems to be working. Um, I mean, I think short messages have a you know, great time and place for them. Um, there was a, a friends of ours, um, out of DC built a company short mail uh, a few years ago. And I, you know, I don't think it's, they're not really focused on it anymore. Um, 
And I think the problem is that short, you know, short messages are perfect for a you know, particular kind of a communication, but not always. So like if you're forcing a certain, certain size, like now you're just going to send two emails. So you're making the problem worse. Um, so I think it's a, it depends. I mean, email is a fantastic medium for uh, closed ended communication, right? So like if you have a very specific set of options that you want to present to someone, it can be long, it can be short, whatever. Like my, my personal uh, hack is uh, bolding key parts of the email, right? mm-hmm. whether it's a takeaway or action item for, for the recipient. Um, as long as you're clear and you're not you know, dragging on, it doesn't have to be five sentences, but I think it's uh, aspirationally, it's definitely a good, you know, I try to send, well, I mean, oh, shorter is always better, right? <laughs> and I argue yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what it is, is email is a great medium for transactional communication. Like, I'm going to be there at this time. Text messages are even better. So, but that's another matter, right? Um, do you want to do this? Yes. Great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, let's talk about our strategy for quarter four and what we should do with our marketing. Like, that terrible, terrible medium for something like yes. that. Yeah, anything that ends with thoughts, question mark, is probably not an email. Uh, Fantastic point. Um <laughs> thoughts let's talk about this yeah you know um it's like let's talk about it like let's schedule a meeting well in the sense of here my so here's a great way to do something like that here's something that's been on my mind um a little bit of background like i would like to like i would like to schedule a meeting so we can talk about that right Right. you agree yes like that's great (laughs) um it's let's let's think about this via email that i'm like oh no oh this is gonna be terrible (laughs) Um, so yeah, so we have that, um, transactional versus conversational. You go into conversational. That's where honestly a tool like Slack is fantastic, right? Um, assuming you got people real time, you don't end up in a four day delay. Right. Um, go ahead. Actually question. Why do you think they overdid it with five sentences? Cause there's also three sentences and four sentences. (laughs) Um, I think they overdid it because it have a universal of a rule that they made it sound mm, like okay. it was just right. like all should be always, right. yeah, always. It's kind of like the people who say it's meetings are always a waste of time, always a waste of time. And I'm like, have you been a part of a team? Like, have you, have you ran your own? Like, anyways, um, yeah. yes, we should limit useless meetings, but it doesn't mean that meetings are the problem. Just like we should limit right. useless emails, but it doesn't mean that email is the problem. Right. Right. It means that our use of the tool is what's the problem is. Exactly. So, um, I think the other reason I actually, um, so I was inspired by the, the five sentences movement and the three sentences, four sentences. And so as a general rule, I write brief emails and I've got a, I've got a, at the footer of my messages is like, is this a brief me- email? It's because I care. And then it links to the website talking about why I write brief emails. Um, because it's really about for me getting someone information quickly and being succinct in what I say. Um, And that's another sort of best practice around this. So you mentioned bolding things. Um, You can also bold questions. Another thing that you can do is, um, I learned this from the military, is bottom line up front, so bluff. Like tell me what you're you're wanting me to do from this email, like way up in the message. Don't send a, you know, don't send me 15 sentences and I've got to get to the bottom to figure out what you're asking me for. Yeah, makes sense. Um, You can also do that in the subject. You know, um, so some people write very, very good subjects that that tell you the bottom line up front. So that's just another sort of best practice that you can do if you need to go past five sentences. Um, Just let me know. 
And the reason I say that one is, um, I think it's a real sense of care to tell people like what mind space and brain space they need to be in to engage with this. Uh This is going to be a long sort of like, you got to think about it, tell someone this is might this might require some thought, go ahead and archive it for later. Right. They're not thinking like, Oh crap, they're expecting a response to this right now. And I'm going to need three days to think about it. Yeah. Tell them I knew, I know this might take a little bit, but I want to send it anyways. Um, yeah, by the way, like th- this is, uh, I want to, I want to uh, interject here for a second. Like this is a, a fun, a, an absolutely amazing uh, development that's happening. Um, tags, so tags within email, right? So there's, um, there's a lot of just, um, you know, schema built into email or starting to be built into email. We see it in Gmail with, you know, your being able to check in right from the, you know, the preview thing. So there's a lot of things happening um, from kind of technology standpoint. But so one of the things that we, we uh, use, and we actually have seen a lot of um, company, a lot of our kind of enterprise clients starting to adopt as well, is just being smarter about what goes into the subject. Um, and so my, my and we've, we've written about this as well, my favorite subject line to receive is, uh, you know, brackets, not urgent. So kind of to your point, I, it, I feel like I just, you know, gained five minutes of, to my day out of, you know, out of nowhere. Um, you know, action required works really well. Um, and, you know, and a few others, um, probably, uh, no, so I take it back. The, the not urgent is great, but NRN, no need to reply. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, no reply necessary. That is the best one. That is the best one. Um, I also like, like when you get a subject and it ends in like EOM, like end of yeah. message. Mm-hmm. Where like, I just needed to ask a question to Dimitri. I didn't need a full thing. And so he just knows that's the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's another great one. Um, and yeah, you can, that's a great movement. I, I appreciate you for bringing that up. Um, what other best practice? Cause you guys have a ton more data than I do. So what are some other best practices that you got? Um, well, so, I mean, the, the, the real, the core thing is around uh, triage. I mean, that is the thing that the world's still missing, I think. Mm-hmm. If everybody triaged their email the way... And this is actually a challenge for, you know, that, that we've seen uh, for a while. Um, everybody has a different workflow. Mm-hmm. So whenever we try to kind of, in, you know, force a workflow on a person, it, it's really hard, right? It just doesn't work. And we, we know a lot of companies in the space and pretty much everyone has said the same thing. However, the, the part that kind of uh, that that that's difficult for me a little bit is um, the there is there are some steps you can take to to improve your process, and it's like it's scientific, it's proven. Like literally, everybody should triage their email, and I, you know, that's something we're actually making a big push um, early next year to kind of educate the folks on on that really is an optimal way to do it. Yeah, feel free to twist it and do whatever you want, but like you got to start thinking about it differently. Uh, and so, you know, we build our tools to kind of to work with that optimal workflow and and be able to adjust it for your specific needs. But um, so, you know, we built um, the way kind of our core of uh, functionality works is we understand what's important to you um, based on your past interactions with your email. Uh, we take unimportant stuff, move it out of your inbox into a separate folder, and the the kind of the workflow there is you go through that folder once a day and we're not hundred percent accurate. So we still need you to go through it, 
but our, you know, as you know, our brain is uh, very good at spotting, at you know, spotting patterns. So if you see an, an important thing in a sea of noise, it's very easy to fish it out. So you move stuff, you know, into your inbox, train us, and then you just hit delete all. It's like the, you know, whether you use same box, whether you use Gmail's tabs or, or whatever, the key is select all archive or select all delete. Mm-hmm. That is everybody needs to, to do that. Um, and the reason is, uh, and I'm sure your, your audience already knows about this as well, but the attention switching cost is what the scientific reason behind it, right? Um, doing deleting stuff one by one takes way more time than it should. Yeah. So, so I think that's, that's kind of, that's the first thing. Then, um, the second one is, uh, so that's the, the, in the world of triage, that's the patients that are going to die regardless, just, you know, get them done quickly. So the, on the second bucket, the, the important stuff, um, so, you know, reply is easy, uh, forward is easy. Uh, the snooze one is, is what I think a lot of people still kind of struggle with. The tendency is to, if, if an email is not urgent or not actionable, is to leave it in your inbox, right? Or even put it in your to-do list, but it still forces your brain to think about it. So we built a feature that lets you snooze, meaning move it out of your inbox, and then it just pops back at the top of your inbox whenever you need it. Um, and there's you know lots of ways to do that. Our good friends at Boomerang have have built this a long time ago. Um, you know Google Inbox has has the feature as well, and I think a lot of email clients are starting to to develop that as well. Uh, that is probably the big kind of the best kept secret <laughs> still, um, and it's. Um, you know, to your point, it does force you to touch the email more than once, but like in that case, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Because you're processing it. I mean, that's the thing. You're not just looking at it. And so, um, and I want to slide it out because it may be confusing. I actually have a product called email triage, which, um, so yeah, because I wrote it, I I created it in 2008 because I was like, people don't know how to triage your email. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's the same thing. That's, that's the critical thing, like sort of my framework around that. And it was before SaneBox and things like that. It's still really relevant. Is, it's a star. So star is the memnonic. Scan, trash, archive, respond. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, some of, the, some of um, that is done by SaneBox already. So just to be clear, I use SaneBox. I've loved it. I can't live without it now. Right? Um, and so SaneBox does a lot of that archiving for me. Right? It puts it in the right box. Like I don't have to worry about it. It makes it easier to scan because I know I don't have to pay attention to um, um, to saying later to the degree that I need to pay attention to my inbox and right. saying news. There's probably not anything in there, and that's probably just stuff I need to go in there and delete anyways, right? Um, and so, it does a very very good job of that archiving step for you automatically, and it it removes the number of things you need to scan to archive in the first place. So it's just a way faster way to to get right. to those response ones, which, in my experience that R is where people get stuck because it requires you to do something besides just poke stuff around. You actually have to say something and there's two kinds, right? There's two kinds. There's like the fast response that you mentioned earlier. Uh And then it's like that one that you need to sit down and you know, it's going to take you 30 minutes to do. Right. And for emails like that, like as Dimitri mentioned earlier, you got to firewall that time because um, it's, it's not going to happen and it's going to sit in that inbox and and things like that. Um, Something that I encourage people to do sometimes mm-hmm. is to get some cards and write thank you cards to people or write like sort of, I've been thinking about you cards to people <laughs> and notice the difference between their engagement with the card and the pen and that then versus what they do on email. And what normally they end up fighting me about is like, I have to schedule time to do that. I can't just do it throughout the day. And that's kind of the point, 
right? Is that you have to schedule time to do it. You have to be ready. You have to have stuff ready to go. And there's a completely different feeling. I think because we get involved in what I call the loop, right? So it's email and Facebook and Twitter and you're reading this website and you got to send it to a colleague. Oh, somebody hit me on Slack, right? We get involved in sort of the technological loop and it's infinite. Like you just kind uh-huh. of run around in that circle. I think that's where when it comes to those heavier response emails, where we get stuck because we just don't have the bandwidth and the, and the time to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and unfortunately no, there's no tool or hack that can help you with those. Nope. There's absolutely no tool that will help you with that. Um, well, there are tools that will help you figure out which ones are of that type, right, but sitting down and doing your work now, everything that's left after you triage. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, you know, there's no, there's no trainer like fitness trainer that can do the work for you. They can help you, do the work, <laughs> but at the same point, like you gotta get, you gotta get your butt in the gym. Right. right. Uh, and so, alrighty. So we've talked, Wow. A lot of great things. Any, any other like advanced or, or ninja moves that we have that, that you want to put on the table? Um, yeah. Yeah, actually. So a couple of my personal favorites. So the bolding is really the key. Like I find whenever I get that from people or when I send like, it just makes you a way more efficient communicator. Like literally just, and this is the easiest thing in the world to do. Just highlight the most important thing in the email and your job's done. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I know maybe this is, <laughs> I have quick fingers, so I like I just I like to get get stuff out, and so I find myself sending an email and like you know, ten seconds later, like I should have should have said something else. So Gmail undo send is is a lifesaver, literally. Like, it, so it, it, does it, that actually unsend it now? Because there was a, there was for a while where it didn't actually unsend it, right? Well, okay. So the Gmail um, the the Gmail tool is it just delays the sending for 30, up to 30 seconds, whatever, whatever time you, you determine. So like the person will get it 30 seconds later. Uh, so it's just a, you know, it's a save, save yourself from yourself kind of a thing. Um, so there's a couple of apps that actually, um, I forget the name. There's a, uh, there's an app that does encrypted email. And so as part of it, it's, it sends that email in a way that you can always re- disable access to it. So you can just, uh, hash the whole the body of the email essentially um so that that's one way to unsend it my personal kind of super simple hack is to not fill out the the email address until you're done proofreading it so just you can always add it later that's a new one good one yeah that's i I use it all the time and actually just i feel much more comfortable knowing like i can't accidentally hit enter and it's gonna (laughs) get me in trouble um, so, you know, the, the other one that's, um, <laughs> also from a per- personal, uh, personal mistake, uh, in the past is, um, whenever, whenever you hit reply all, just make sure if you're CC'd and not BCC'd, um, it's happened to me, I reply all and I was actually BCC'd and now I look the, re- the original sender, uh, look, look like a jerk or, you know, hiding something from everyone else. Yep. Um, so that, that's probably, um. Yeah, that's, that's an important one. Uh, and then, and this is a little bit of a, of a plug, but, um, we hear this all the time from our customers when somebody goes on an unsubscribe binge and just unsubscribes from everything, it doesn't really work. They somehow end up on more mailing lists that's happened. I think there's probably like 5% of senders that, uh, essentially to them, you just expose yourself as a human who cares about, about their inbox. Right. So you're just a, a spammy marketer's dream come true. And so they kind of 
might sell your address to someone else and you end up on more mailing lists. So the, and this is where really our tool comes in super handy just because you, you don't have to unsubscribe, you just ignore it. But uh, one of the other tools that we built pretty early on is called Black Hole. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a folder that uh, lives in your email. You drag an email into the Black Hole folder and just all future emails from that sender will go straight to trash. Um, so you don't have to like let them know that, hey, I'm a human, stop sending me emails. Like you, you just will never see them again. Um, so does it, because I've been curious about that one. Um, why I haven't used black hole is because sometimes I want to unsubscribe from like a colleague's list because I'm probably tracking it over, um, over RSS or, you know, another method, but I'm like, mm. sometimes they email me as well. And I don't want that email flagged and go into the trash when that person actually does legitimately email me as, you know, chart let's that person talking to Charlie. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. That okay. Makes sense. You're, you're well, so it's not going to get basically they're not, they're never going to know that you're not reading their emails. It's not, it's not like a spam, right? So you're not penalizing them in any way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so by the way, uh, you should never, especially if it's a you know legitimate email, don't mark it as spam. That's just me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's <laughs> because you didn't want it. Doesn't make it spam. Exactly. Right? right. So sometimes like people are like, Oh, I didn't like that email spam. Right. And it's like, that, that's different. That's just really mean, bad karma, don't, don't do it. <laughs> uh, so another bad karma thing is, um, I, and I, I also see this, especially from people at large companies, uh, putting images in your signature. Like, I don't know, it used to be cool, I guess, to, to have an image. Um, the problem is depending on which client you're in, it basically looks like an attachment. And then every time, if, there's, if this thing becomes a thread, um, you have that image, pasted, you know, 10 times. Um, so it's just a, it's 2015, you know, you use a nice signature. It just does not have to be an image. Yeah. I got an image in mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would reconsider that. <laughs> I'll, I'll reconsider it. Okay. Um, I was using the Y stamp, I think is the way. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Great, actually. That's yeah. And so, yeah, I use Y stamp because what I found is that, um, especially when you're out there networking and you send an email, it's like, who is that guy? Right. Type of thing. And so, um, okay. anyways, All right. um, I'll definitely reconsider it though. <laughs> well, we, we love, uh, Y stamp are, you know, our great, uh, great startup as well. They're doing some really cool stuff. Um, all right. So I think my, my favorite hack, and it's not really an email one, but it's security one. Um, so, you know, we all know that you have to have a unique, password for each of your services. Nobody does it um, just because it's really difficult to remember. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure again, your audience already knows LastPass and 1Password, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, use that for everything you can. Um, the, so the, the problem is like there's some passwords in your life that you want to actually remember, mm -hmm. um, such as the password for 1Password <laughs> or your email or like Dropbox things that you really might need sometimes. And so the, the hack there is in, and stop me if you, if this is old news, but yeah. Um, so take thinking of a sentence or a song and taking the first letter of that phrase, um, and using that, so using that acronym as your password. Hmm. The, oh, okay. So let me talk about that. No, that's a new one. Keep, keep it coming. Awesome. So like the example I, I give is, um, Billy Jean is not my lover. She's just the girl who claims that I am the one. <clears throat> I'm a big, big MJ fan. Yep. Um, so after like three times of saying it to yourself, it will be ridiculously easy to type the first letters of that 
sentence into your password field. Like you don't have to think about it. Um, and especially if you can sort of like claim that I am the one, and one can be a number, and you can capitalize something. And it's just, it's a great, great way to remember a password. And it's like, if you look at it, it's impossible to hack. Like it's completely random. Yeah. And there's also coming up with your own sort of geek speak in the sense of like, you know, I'll give away one, but like E's become threes, mm-hmm. right? Because when you look at it, your brain will actually start to encode it. So you can say like, you know, speak might be, um, it might be a dollar sign P three at the symbol and then a right. And computers can't pick that up. But like, even though like speak, like you have your own code for that. Right. Um, that's cool. And so that's another, that's another way to do that one. So I won't, I won't give any way any more my, my, <laughs> How do I type Charlie in? Um, I don't use my name or anything like that for a password in any way, right? Even if I decode, decrypt it. So, um, yeah. Also, um, foreign languages with especially dead languages make really great passwords um, because most of, especially if you use some of those tools. So, anyways, um, yeah. What they're looking for is basic words like you know, cat, wife, like. We can go through what they're looking for. So if you have any common word that's a password that's um, not your own sort of version of encrypted, so on and so forth, yeah, you, you definitely need to update that. 1Password, fantastic tool. LastPass, also a fantastic tool. I prefer 1Password, um, cleaner interface and all that, but one pa- but LastPass is much more universal in the sense of it works on different devices. It did get hacked, though, not, not long ago, right? Ooh. Which one? 1Password <laughs> or LastPass? LastPass. Last. Well, it was, it was like a weird... I think they claim that no nobody's passwords got compromised. But so so let let me amend my last statement. One password. <laughs> uh, That's what we used to. It's kind of. I mean, it's it stores it just locally. Uh, it's it's way more safe than anything else you're doing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, let's let's put it that way. Absolutely. But, but the thing that's that's actually fascinates me is that the, the this hasn't become more of a problem because you know more than everybody uses the same password for everything. So as soon as one of the services gets compromised, all of your services are compromised. And I'm, I'm not, con- I'm, I don't understand why like the last LinkedIn, last whatever name, you know, name the, the big company that got breached, uh, why that hasn't created more of a uh, you know, problem because now everything else should be um, compromised too. I think it's actually that um, there's, a, there's a little bit of grace because there's so many services right now available that even the people who know how to scrape and do that, they have to target certain other services. And so True. like, I won't go into, I won't go into that, but I think that's also what's getting us is, is there, I mean, if you, so this is funny, Dimitri, like a few years ago, we did an audit of the different like little business systems that we used, the little micro systems and we stopped counting at 70. Wow. Right. Um, but, but, Gmail, like, you know, Google apps, like every time you touch an additional one of those services, you know, LastPass, Confluence, you go through all those. And it's like, that's a lot of different tools. And if you were to do an audit for Sandbox, you might find like, wait a second, we have a lot of different tools, right? Um, we, we have a ton. Of ex- I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'll be very, uh, I'll, I'll cry if we get to 70, but that's, uh, it wouldn't be, I guess it wouldn't be too surprising. It, not by the time you like, it was surprising when the number came up. Right. Oh. But it was like, well, so there's this one little account over there. Then there's LinkedIn, Facebook, like all yeah. of those different services that we use. It was like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the grace there is that they, yes, LinkedIn might go down, but are they going to figure out your unique 
you know, number of apps that you use for things? Probably not. Right. So anyways, yeah, it should be a bigger problem though. You're right. Yeah. They got big server farms that are just doing whatever they do. Nefarious, nefarious. Exactly. Anyways, um, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I think that's a lot of really great tools. I mean, I think we're up to at least eight to 10 or so of, of tools that people can take away. Um, if you had to leave people with one thing about email, like you really want them to take this away, what would that be? Um, don't make email your number one priority. And the, like the acronym we came up with is um, scan, block, ask. Um, so scan your inbox for important, urgent things. Pretty much whenever, right? First thing in the morning or whenever you like really have to check. Uh, so I, I agree with you, don't check your email, but I think it's okay to check it just for those like really rare cases. And you literally are just fishing for like, is the world ending? Like, do I have to do something? Uh, and then close it down. So that's a scan. Um, block is block time in your calendar. And then ask is a good one. Um, and this is kind of, I've been, uh, I'm on a 310 med- uh, 10 day meditation streak. Congrats. Uh, that's awesome. And so one of the things that kind of did for me is uh, help me just kind of step back and become aware of what, what I'm doing. Uh, and so whenever you catch yourself doing email, uh, ask yourself if this is the best use of your time. Uh, chances are most of the time it's not. Um, so I think if you do those three things, you can succeed in doing that. And, and well, first, you know, hide your phone in the, uh, in the upper shelf of the closet. <laughs> Step one. That's if you, if you know, you have a problem that you're trying to break a pattern. So you don't necessarily have to do that, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's probably the biggest, um, thing for the blog. And then, well, we already know triage, it all has to do with prioritization. Yeah. Um, email is an important part of your work, but it's not the totality of your work. Yeah. And the thing that's crazy, I forget who I was talking to about this. Um, if we like, you know, 10 years ago, email wasn't nearly as bad, right? So we had phones. Um, so if you kind of, if you, if you think back to kind of from, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if, if somebody told you that you spend 13 hour, 28% of your work time answering stuff, you would have assumed that you're in customer service. Mm-hmm. But uh, most of us are not in customer service and we still do that. So the, there's, there's a tremendous disconnect there. And so I think all of us, you know, between us, we should try to make, uh, make that more clear and really, yeah. <laughs> We're on it. Dimitri, thanks so much for joining me today and jamming about email tips and practices, man. Thanks for having me. All righty. So Creative Giants, take a look at your own email and your own email pa- uh, practices. Are you making it your number one priority? What, might el- what else might you do with that time? So um, scan, block, ask, that's a great framework. Think about it and remember, in more time, finishing the stuff that matters most to you. And until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.